This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Five-year, two-year, 20-year. Actually, um, don't disclose it. Um, we've already given out year. too much of your information. Yeah, we've already given out too much was, of your information. People may be able to find you <laughs> easier. It was actually my pre-reunion, so uh, we haven't even graduated yet. I am a minor. Ah, um, uh, yeah. yeah. Ryan's a minor. We haven't told anyone this. Uh, Ryan is clearly... Um, the most advanced 16-year-old boy out there. It's really, really impressive. Uh, he is a... Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, uh, what'd, what'd you guys we, do? We got really... Uh, we partied pretty hard last night. So. Yeah, I could tell by the group chat. You guys were... You guys were uh, getting pretty sauced. Uh, we were getting ready for either A or 700 Club Challenge. B challenging Wade Boggs, or C the most realistic possibility, us getting standing room uh, seating at a playoff game and entering <laughs> goblin mode. But we were, uh, I was pretty wild, so you know. Yeah, you you definitely were. Um, so, what I I, uh, I kept screaming, uh, drink this piss. I kept telling people to drink piss. It was pretty good. Um, I th- um, I thought you tried to pick up our other friend, Ryan. I was just about to say that. Um, he has a surgically yeah. repaired back, and I picked him <laughs> up. And he was like, stop, my back is literally broken. I'm like, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I c- continued picking him up. Because that ain't going to stop me. You have a broken back. What are you going to do? Well, well, we're going to break it more? No. No, I was straightening him out. I was helping him. Uh, I'm better than those fucking doctors that do this sort of thing. Yeah, it um, got very awkward. <laughs> like, your reaction after he, like, you know, said that, you were just like, oh, mm, yeah, uh, uh, buddy boy. Like, <laughs> I was like, how about that? Oh, you have a broke back now, huh? Oh, I have a broken heart. <laughs> it was fun. It was good. It was good to see. This is our other friend, Ryan, our actual friend, Ryan. Uh, yeah, we uh, hate to break it to you, but uh, you actually yeah. meant for him to come on the podcast and just text to the wrong person. <laughs> yeah, we gotcha. yeah we should get. It'd be nice to have RK on and be like, "What's up, dude? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the new Ryan. I've always been Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for giving me uh, you know legitimacy to my namesake, bros." <laughs> uh, uh, Blind Velvet played. Uh, they they, they uh, were down at Rude Dog. 
This was right yep. after uh, after uh, what my friends, who I brought down, uh, called Shipwreck, but it's called Shipyard, but they called it Shipwreck. Um, uh, they, uh, it was after that. I uh, disappeared, uh, met up with some, uh, some chicks I knew, and then we came back, and then Blind Velvet went on, and it was just... It was a rip snorting good time, so. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully like we're going. We're going soon. Blind velvet or, or women? This is uh, we'll never have women on this podcast. <laughs> let's just <laughs> let's just yeah. let's just stamp that out right now. We'll never ever. I, I, we're allies, think, but ladies. I think you answered your own question, my my man. Yeah. So yeah, we gotta get them on, but I guess uh, Nick will have to be, you know, brought back to life in order for that to happen, since you know he'll have all the mics and shit to make that work. So yeah, and, yeah. and if we were, we need Nick back, so that way we we can have female listeners again, because women would only yeah. listen to this podcast because they thought Nick was cute, and every time people look at, I have to correct people every time. Nick is not the handsome one, the the skinny one. He is one of the fat ones. Josh and I are not who you think. I am clearly the skinny Italian-looking one, but I cannot. I just can't get that through to people. They just think I don't sound like that. So, yeah. um, this needs to be a fuck Nick uh, episode too, because yeah, we're, we're just a uh, we're just rehashing everything because um, he was supposed, supposed to, to meet us. Supposed to meet yeah. us. Yeah. Ryan had a good excuse. Uh, he lives hundreds and hundreds of miles away in a city we're not going to tell you. Uh, so that way you don't find where he works and get him fired. It's Ryan works Maine. Ryan works in Singapore. So that's where he's been. Um, but uh, Ryan had a good excuse not to be here. Uh, Nick was talking ship, uh, ship on Shipyard and... Uh, um, then he uh, said. Then he uh, said he was going. He said uh, he accepted the invite on Facebook. It's pretty. And he yeah. shared it around. And uh, we go down to Rude Dog to see Blind Velvet, our boys. Uh, and uh, guess who? Guess who's fucking not there, Ryan? <laughs> is it Nick? Is it? It's is Nick. It Nick. It's hundred percent Nick. Nick wasn't Nick fucking Christ. there. <laughs> and he was supposed to be there. But no. So what excuse he, is, do you think Nick has? I'm, I'm assuming he's dead. That's the only excuse he should have. He oh, should he's be fucking dead. dead after this. He's fucking dead after this. Nick was in St. Louis. Was it for work? Was it for his own band? Work or pleasure? It, well, why not both? It, it was a date. Nick ditched the fellas for pussy. I, uh, they, they they don't have pussy in Cape Girardeau. There's not any. It's only Ryan, men you in Cape only Girardeau. ditch the fellas. You only ditch the fellas for pussy when you're like in your twenties. That is a that is a, that is a young buck thing. Well, he when is you're an old, <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. I forget. I forget. I'm. I forget. I'm friends with immature people like Josh yeah. and Nick. Yeah, Mr. Twenty Five. Here, let's move and the goal. I, and I'm a minor, so I haven't even done that yet. I, yeah. I, yeah. I don't even know what girls are yet, so. Dude, you don't even know what pussy is. 
You probably never will be. We've seen you. But, uh, yeah, it's it's rough. Um, how old's Nick? 26? Uh, yeah. Ditching your friends for pussy is something someone 24 to 20 would do. Wait, no. He drove all the way to St. Louis. He's, he's 27? Because we're talking oh, about how this he has a few more months to die it's, with a white lighter in his pocket. To be oh, like, yeah, with uh, goes yeah. Jim Morrison. Yeah, go Jim Morrison yeah. level. Kurt Cobain, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, all of them. He went to St. Louis for a date instead of being here with his bros. It's, um... Well, I hope they get married and buy a house and live in the suburbs together, yeah. you know? I... Yeah, no, no. Nick can't even commit to a Twitter handle. He ain't gonna fucking get married. He just wants to listen I'm pissed. to Duran Duran. Yep. You know, make his little... Yeah. Yep, make his good-sounding but gay little 80-synth music. What a what a bastard. Yeah. So, you know, otherwise, Josh and I were just going to, you know, have a normal night and, you know, just uh, drink beer. But uh, we stayed out in Rage Ryan, and then we uh, we got back to the, to the house. And then, uh, you know... Uh, watched I Think You Should Leave season one and uh, had a pretty good time with that. So. Gotta eat his no goop screw. Okay. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta eat his goop Scrooge. He'll give you a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> but that was our wild night. Um, yeah. The good yeah, thing is the night this... Uh, yeah, we I made some mozzie sticks. I'm I'm getting uh, getting Josh nice and plump for winter. It's gonna be a long winter, so yeah. I gotta make sure we have have enough meat ah, for the for the long haul. Um, it's a good thing we partied because the Cardinals have been asked the last two games. So. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, and the elephant in the room is a uh, seven hundred. There's that to be happy about. Yeah, uh, Pujols hit seven hundred, guys. We all know where we were when 9-11 happened, except Brian, because he's clearly not that old. He is a 16-year-old boy. You know, there's people that remembered when the Challenger blew up or JFK got shot. Now we all know where we were when Albert Pools hit number 700. Yeah, I was pulling it up on Apple TV, and Josh wasn't able to watch it. And... Uh, I actually got to see it. It was really cool. And uh, Josh missed the whole thing. I did. Because I hate baseball. This is a secret. Were you, were you not at home with me, Josh? <laughs> or you just... No, I actually was at home, but I was in the living room. And then we saw it wasn't on Bally. And I was like, ah, fuck it. And I forgot that I had Apple TV also on my phone. For, like, mm-hmm. free. So, you know. I just didn't watch it. But I was here um, for the moment. I mean, what do you guys feel about, like, Pulse's rank amongst all-timers? Like, his counting stats, is he a top five, top ten, top thirty guy? I mean, I think when, for the counting stats, it's the same four names over again. Bonds, Aaron, Ruth, and Pulse. Like, I, I think you have to mention, like, I didn't think 700 was a big deal. Until he hit 700. I thought passing A-Rod 
and becoming fourth all time was like all, but now you're like, there are only four guys who have hit seven home, like 700 home runs. That's a, like, yeah. And the other ones, what, Yankees short porch and left, right? Was, I don't think they had that back when Ruth played, but that'll be my excuse forever. Um, but yeah, no, it's in like, the counting stats are important then because it also shows longevity. Like, Tom Brady got to win more Super Bowls because he has longevity. His body didn't wear out. Like, he's also he's also amazing, but he also, like, longev- being in the sport for a long time is also a feat in itself. Like, you have to take that into consideration for how great of an athlete he was. Um, and, but the only thing other thing, too, is and it's like I hate playing the what if game, but what if he didn't go to the Angels? The Angels are a shit organization. They've turned like it's just like I I think and I think you're seeing it this year. I think Pools is motive like he has pep like he just has more energy because he's on a team that's going to go to the playoffs. Like if I was I I think they're probably just like mentally playing for the Angels, knowing that like. Oh, we're not going to beat the Astros for the last mm-hmm. decade. Like, you probably didn't give a shit. You probably didn't show up every day 20 minutes early to get a few extra bats in, you know? Like, it was probably seemed more like a job instead of playing something he loved. And that's just... Yeah. I... My thing is, I think the, uh, the Angels, like, ruined his legacy to be a, uh, a, uh, uh a top 10, top 5 hitter of all time. And, like, you know, when I look at what arguments people make for why he wouldn't fit into it, I mean, the list is pretty interesting on, like, you know, the people ahead of him. You know, if you think of, like, offensive runs created, you have guys from the golden era, whether it's Hornsby, you know, Musial, obviously, Tris Speaker, Eddie Collins, you know, guys that played really uh, a long time back. But, I mean... I think there's plenty of guys that are ahead of him, but, like, the guys that are ahead of him, you can make an argument that they are not, and not sound crazy, or at the very least, you know, respect that the guys ahead of him are also, you know, massive legendary status like him. Like, Ricky Henderson. I would put Ricky Henderson ahead of him. I would put Willie Mays ahead of Pools. Um, he is, without a doubt, I think, the top five, top five best-hitting uh, first baseman of all time, and I'm not having one come to my head. He might be the greatest right-handed uh, hitting first baseman of all time. That's for sure. But um, you know, um, I think um, I I I really believe that his time in LA with the Angels created a, a you know a stagnation in his career whether, you know, we can say he wasn't utilized correctly or that the mediocrity that comes with being an angel um, brought like a, like, a, like, a, like a case of malaise to where yeah, there was no, you know, whether it was no passion or motivation to it. He also, he was hurt during that time, you know, he had plantar fasciitis, he had, uh, you know, knee injuries. So, you know, it's going to be a litany of things, you know, he... We're there's a lot of you know we're this is just speculation, but you know he's there's a resurgence in his approach to the plate and what he's been able to do, and 
if anything, we should be thanking the we should be thanking God that the National League has the DH. Otherwise, he's not hitting 700. He's not here this time. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, who else is place among the stars, though? I mean, that's. I think the case is made probably top 15, top 10 for uh, for maybe light ball era, maybe uh, maybe post 1940s. But I mean, the guys that are way ahead of them are guys that were, you know, putting up stats that we see today for a legend way back when guys were throwing underhanded or you know topping out at 82 miles an hour. So the yeah, he's yeah. Yeah. I mean, but going by decade, like, 2000s to, like, 2000 to 2010, it's what, mm-hmm. just Bonds in front of him? Uh, like, I mean, Miggy's up there, but Miggy doesn't have... Definitely he has, not, isn't no. finishing his career in the same way. Um, yeah, I don't know who goes ahead of him just in the last... Or in for if, the I guess the time of his prime, like two thousand, yeah, like twenty ten. If I were to say, if we were to cut periods of baseball up into maybe like twenty or thirty year spans, you know, like a generation, like since two thousand, I mean, Poolholz is the guy of his generation. Um, the, this this is incredible numbers for a guy to put up in any era, but I would say he is definitely the best player of his era. Um, you know, we only had Bonds for a few of those years. Bonds more of a guy from, you know, the steroid era, really, in the 80s, yeah. to, you know, early 2000s. Um, but, I mean... But Bonds did, so, what, early... He didn't... I mean, he broke his record early 2000s, right? Was it 2000 or 2001? Yeah, yeah. He hit 73. Uh, yeah, 2001 is when he hit 73. Um, Bonds, I think, was done playing in 07 or 08. So, like, he cut, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, the the record he set, he comes, like, in his late 30s. But, I mean, honest to God, like, he cut his teeth, like, in the 90s, you know, with what he did in Pittsburgh and and, and, and San Francisco. Um, I wouldn't say he uh, he overshadows. Like, if Bonds played to 50 or whatnot, sure. But, like, early on during uh, during this generation of ball, it was Bonds, and then Bonds left, and then Pools had the entire generation to himself. Um, he's he's the best player of our of our era, is how I should put it. You know, for, you know, if an era is uh, coming up with baseball in your childhood into adulthood, he's easily the best of our era. Um, yeah. Hey, Tom. Uh, you know how we were looking through like the uh, draft classes the Cardinals had had the other yeah time? that was some weaponized autism you would have loved Josh or Josh sorry Ryan um we should uh do that for like all draft classes because I bet Albert is the number one thirteenth round pick of all time you know I was like yeah of all I, time I was yeah. wondering yeah. the same thing I was just I've actually been like. Uh, trying to pick through baseball reference to have them pull up the entire draft class uh, for all 2013, or 20, sorry, for all 13th round picks. So, because I've actually been wondering the same thing on that one. Well, it's like how, you know, Tom Brady is maybe the greatest six round, like, pick of all time, you know, in the NFL. Uh, you know, right. yeah, I mean, Poole's coming in in the 13th round out of 
you know, playing community college ball for a year, and then he easily becomes, you know, the you know greatest uh, greatest hitter of the two thousands and two thousand twenty two thousand teens. So, I I would bet money that he's the best. He's certainly the best thirteenth rounder we've ever had. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't name another one. Could not name another one, no. Um, who else? Didn't we have one other player we drafted in the 13th round that was comically good? Was that Carp? Matt Carp. I think Carp was 13. It's, uh, let me look real quick. Yeah, it's either that or someone else. What? Did, yep, we took Carp in the 13th round. <laughs> While you're looking at the or looking this up, I was about the 700 again. Like I loved Sega. reading, I loved reading like tweets of, like kind of like all the journalists like Frank Cusimano, Bernie Miklas, um, like yeah. Derek Gould were like tweeting out. But then it started to become like they like like over the top. Like they were like like recalling every memory they've ever had, and I was like, he's he's not dead. Like it just became this like. They were like eulogizing <laughs> this this man. It's like he's still still gonna be alive. Like they were like one time I was hanging at a soda machine and he he shook my hand and said Sprite's a good choice, man. And I I wept that night. Like that was the tweets they were like getting down to. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I saw this meme. I'm not sure if there's uh... no no. I think I know what it is. Never mind. I, I totally misread it. I saw a meme on Twitter that Ali said Pujols once back, but I think it's referring to when we uh, when we signed him uh, earlier. Yeah, so, yeah. I that was the quote so, five yeah, once back. That yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I totally misread that. Then thank God, the man needs to ride off in the sunset and and go. Speaking go of go like the this. um the guys retiring, I feel like they've really stopped including Wainwright. At all in the mention of, like the, like it's just pretty much Molina and Pools yeah. retiring. Like Wainwright has not I, become, which makes me think he m- might come back next year or want to come back. They released or, that very touching. It up in the uh, air. They released that very touching tribute video of him, and like some people are like, he is definitely not coming back. I think he is. Um, I mean, one, we haven't heard him talk about it a lot, but, you know, for all we know, Wainwright's a you know, private guy who wouldn't share this. Uh, so, you know, soon, you know, he's obviously battling, you know, a, a bit of a dead arm issue that's plagued him the whole second half, but he's focused on, you know, getting the, being ready for the postseason. But I think Wayno is legacy hunting, and I think it's a good thing because, one, he can still do it and do it at do it very well, might I add. Uh, he's... Like, this isn't like he's putting up a passable year. He's been good. Okay? It's not, you know, not eye melting, or not face melting, not eye gouging. But, like, he's got a 112 ERA plus. You know, he might. he's probably not going to get it but you know, because of the arm issues. But he was on track to throw over 200 innings. Like, that's a very good season, especially for someone his age. I, I don't think his... And in today's MLB. And in today's MLB. Goes to yeah, yeah, in today's MLB. Like, so I think he's legacy chasing, and I know people say wins don't matter. I think they matter a little bit. I think, like, uh, you know, I I don't think there I don't think there's uh, many outliers out there whose whole careers are defined by 
amassing a, a, a ginormous amount of wins while being a very pedestrian or below average pitcher. I think what you have is these outliers that happen seasonally where you have a guy who will post like, um, oh, I mean, the Braves are a great example. I was looking at their rotation. Their rotation's sick, okay? You know, Kyle Wright won 20 games. But their number five guy, Ian Anderson's 10-6 and six with a 5 ERA. Obviously, the, he's gotten a lot of help. And I think outlying yeah. seasons like that, you know, they, though, though, the, while I wouldn't say a rarity, but I don't think they're a, a formula for continued success. I think I think you have to be good to amass that amount of wins and to be around, uh, or just be Jordan Lyles because people just keep signing him for shit for some reason. And so Wayno's probably got two starts left, and let's say he wins both of them, he'll be three away from two hundred. Um, I mentioned this when I wrote about it a little bit for Sunday, Funny Sunday, a couple weeks back. But, like, you know, he missed probably 100 starts due to injuries in his career. That's, like, a huge – that's a big bummer because if he maintained the longevity that Pujols and Molina did, Wayno's a Hall of Famer. Uh, unless, you know, those 100 starts, he completely bottoms out. But if he maintained what he was doing, you know – in the prime of his career, those, you know, 100 starts, he probably wins 40 to 50 of them. He's, so he'd be, what, 240, 250 career wins. He'd probably have over 2,500 career strikeouts, which if you hit 2,500 career strikeouts, you're, like, top 30 in terms of strikeout numbers. Like, you know, Do you think Wainwright's a Hall of Famer if he doesn't have a Cy Young? Like, oh, 100%, yeah. Um, I do. He ran. I guess. Not he, saying that I don't had, love Wainwright. I'm just saying, will they vote him in if he doesn't have a Cy Young? I guess. No, I think I I think he's not going to get in regardless. Now he would get yeah. in. I think if he had those hundred starts, but like, keep in mind he has five top ten Cy Young seasons, and in a six year span, in five seasons, mind you, because he missed 2011 because he was hurt, he was top five four times. He was runner up twice. He ran into Tin Lincecum going God mode, and there was another yeah. year. He ran into Roy Holiday, a Hall of Famer, going God mode, and he ran into a season where he probably would have won it if Chris Carpenter didn't split votes with him because Carpenter also went Sizzler as well. So Lincecum, two Cy Youngs, Roy Holiday, Hall of Fame, Chris Carpenter, Cy Young. You know, that's that's the guys in his class that beat him, and that's not a bad class to be in. Um, it would have been nice if Lindsey Gunn was, you know, remained awesome and went in the Hall of Fame. That would kind of actually make a pretty decent argument, but that's neither here nor there. Um, he, I wish he got talked about more because he, you know, he's not a, a DeGrom where he's, he's never posted a strikeout per nine of, you know, a, a strikeout per inning kind of season, you know, a guy who would punch out 270 dudes in 200 innings. He's never had something like that. What he has done that I've always found impressive is he's pitched over 230 innings three times. Um, he's led the league in innings pitched twice. Um, he's got almost 30 complete games, if I remember. He's got a, and here's the, my one of my favorite ones, he's got a winning percentage of like 63%. He's had, like, one losing season, and that was when he was coming back from injury when he was, like, 36, and that was in eight starts. 
the guy wins. Like, yeah, sure, it may not be pretty. You know, we all remember 2012 when he came back from injury, and it was just very rough. But, like, you know, he won 20 games twice. He almost won 20 games again two more other times. He was you know, fucking Kyle McClellan. But, like, uh, like, uh, like, you know, he he put up great numbers. You know, he, he ate innings. He took the ball for his team. He was good in the playoffs, you know. You know, he missed out, you know, if his, uh, you know, if his injury problems never plagued him uh, as bad. You know, we're probably talking about him going into Cooperstown with, uh, with Yachty and Pools, But, you know, he, well, you play the hand you're dealt. I think, like, if he just, like, if he just didn't tear his AC or his Achilles that one yeah. time, I think he's possibly a Hall of Famer just with that alone. Because... That was what 20, 2014 when that happened. Twenty fourteen or twenty. He missed twenty fifteen with that, yeah, and it took him years to kind of like, yeah, reinvent himself. Exactly. That too. So, so that's like, you know, probably the two. I'd say two seasons worth of starts that are just kind of like off the books right there. Yeah. Plus, I if if I recall that year that he tore um, his Achilles, you know, is that play at the plate in Milwaukee. You know, ever he hit the ball and just started running and fucked up, you know, tore it. Uh, I want to say he was having, like, an amazing season up to that point. Like, he was looking like Cy Young material that year. He was. He had a one six one ERA during that, the games yep. that he pitched. And before he got hurt, um, he had a one four four ERA, um, six innings, seven innings, eight innings, and he had pitched into the, he had pitched, completed four innings before hurting himself. Um, my estimate for it's conservative, but yeah, I mean that's also another thing. If he doesn't get hurt there, he probably puts up another six WAR season. You know, he's got forty-seven, forty-eight WAR, and you know if he was at sixty, I think like you could be like, yeah, we should put him in. I got him like, oh, uh, before I, God, this also reminds me, like before I came down and hung out uh, with you guys down at Rude Dog. Uh, I met up with my buddies at Cask, and we're drinking whiskey, and there's a guy there talking, uh, you know, fantasy football with my buddy and talking baseball. But he said something that kind of, I don't know what to make of it. I know it wrong, rubs me the wrong way, but it's like don't dumb down, you know, uh, your Hall of Fame. Or, you know, don't don't dilute it. Because I brought he asked me if Scott Rowland was a Hall of Famer. I'm like, Scott Rowland's a Hall of Famer. He's like, how do you think he gets in? I'm like, I think he'll probably get voted in. And I also, but then I told him, like, Jim Edmonds is a Hall of Famer. He's like, Jimmy's not a Hall of Famer. I'm like, yeah, man, like, uh, you know, we measure we measure greatness nowadays not by if you get 3,000 hits, but, like, your value to your era and your value to your team. Like, we have stats to, you know, to, to show that now. And Jimmy is, I mean, center field's pretty underrepresented, uh, I think, uh, in a large part, and I think Jimmy fits uh, the mold for what constitutes a Hall of Fame center fielder. You know, electric defense, defense that is, you know, I would say pioneering for the game, but, uh, you know, defense that is, you know, if you bring up greatest fielding center fielders, his name immediately pops up. Um, amazing power, and arguably, you know, he was, uh, you know, borderline MVP for a few seasons. And, but yeah, and I think when you go, like go by the metric of can you tell the story of baseball during that era without mentioning his name, I don't think you can yeah. with Jim Edmonds. Like he was 
not just being a homer, like being a Cards fan, but he was on Sports Center every night for some catch he made. Like it was like for he some was crazy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Here I have his page pulled up from 2000 to 2005, so six seasons here. He averaged in a in 106. If you uh, he averaged 6.1 WAR, is what he averaged. That is incredible production for a guy. Um, and he's got an IMDb credit. And he does. For and, Real Housewives. Yeah, dude. And he yep. fucks. Jesus, God, does Jimmy fuck. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy's dude's rocking. He's got that, he, he fucks so he He's got a pretty high so P war, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but, yeah. Like, um, you know, I... It's like the weird thing, though, when it says, like, don't dilute your Hall of Fame, though, because, like, so if you think, if you look at, like, uh, you know, average war for a position, you know, it will have guys, like, I did this when I was looking at Yachty for, like, catchers. You'll have guys that have posted, you know, like, 100-plus war seasons. No one's going to be coming near that. Like, is, if that's the metric for what we, you know, if we use a saber metric like that to put a guy in the Hall of Fame, Pulse is the only fucking guy in the last, like, since Bonds, who's going to get into the Hall of Fame with that. But if you take, like, you know, a sample size of, hypothetically here, um, I think I still have the chart um, of, uh, you know, every Hall of Fame first baseman we've elected. Because, you know, I think guys like, Joey Votto will be in the Hall of Fame, and Freddie Freeman. Um, um, but if you take like guys like through maybe not the top two or top three or maybe even top five at a position, and you take the fifteen to twenty other Hall of Famers, if there's that many at a position, then you average those out, and then you start to realize, okay, this person fits within that window, and if they're within this window, should they be in the Hall of Fame? I, I would say, yeah. I don't. You know, there's reason why guys who, you know, like Ruth, Pujols, or Boggs, or fucking Mays, Aaron, the reason why they're, you know, deified and they're legends is because they did something, not only that was so great and important to growing the game, but it's, it, 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 it's near godhood for it. They're, they are, they are literally, uh, they're literally, uh, like a, a, a reified as a, 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 as like like a, a, a celestial beings like they're 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 Christ-like I guess I would say, but you know, fucking maybe not a, a you know Joe Carter you know Ted Simmons you know those are Hall of Famers, but they're not going to be like putting up Johnny Bench numbers. So I mean Yachty fits within that purview of a Ted Simmons or or Joe Carter, so. I don't, I don't know. I just think, like, um, I think, uh, you know, when looking at numbers or constructing arguments, uh, or, or sorry, constructing, I guess, uh, uh, a code for what constitutes a Hall of Famer, I would say, you know, you should, you, you don't have to take the aggregate for what guys did 100 years ago. You can do it. You know what their peers have, uh, the peers you've elected for the last forty or fifty years, or better yet, the peers for their time as well. So, yeah, and we're gonna have to really change the way, like, as pitching, as 
pitchers really only pitch 150 innings a year. And I'm just right. like, we have way more, like, um, lineups made based on this, like, on a pitcher or, like, like, cause, like, the Rays have different lineups for different, like, we have a lot more analytics and people aren't going to play as much, but doesn't mean that they don't have value or, and they're just not going to have the accumulating stats that a Nolan Ryan had because he played for 700 years or... Mm. So I'm I just, looking just, at my thing. I, I just think well, and on that note, with like you know the like if we're gonna go back in like the Ty Cobb era, you know all that shit. You know we talked about how you know the, the steroid era that you know can that's obviously what's happened to Bonds. That's why someone like him has not gotten in yet. But you think I mean. Do we think that the only World Series that was heavily controlled by people betting was the Black Sox? Yeah. Like, in the Reds? Do we think that's the only World Series? Yeah. You know, all these... I mean, betting was so out of fucking... Out of fucking control back then that... I mean, hell, half the fucking games could have just been given away in, in that way. I mean, who the fuck yeah. knows? Yeah, and... Definitely was not regulated the way it is And today. also, it's... Yeah, I mean, that kind of also serves the argument, I think, of, like, when, you know, people don't want to embrace that, you know, as controversially as it is, but uh, Bond's contribution is to, to home runs. You know, they're like, well, he juiced. And I'm like, yeah, and that's, you know, you know, whether your opinion is on steroids or not, but, I mean, he also hit those bombs off guys who also juiced. So, you know... <laughs> You know, guys, yeah. guys, guys yeah. fucking cheat, and you hit them off cheaters. You know, it's I yeah. under. You know, go ahead. And putting it like into context of like players playing back in the twenties, like Ty Cobb was just the only player who wasn't drunk on the field. Like that's the only way that he. <laughs> like every other player was a drunk mechanic from like Toledo, and he just happened to show up sober and want to play baseball. They were just trying to get away from their wives, and he was. That's why they didn't. That's why they didn't make the salary they do now, because all it was was just some guys getting together, shooting the breeze, and not letting the blacks play. That's all it mattered back then. <laughs> gotta have, got <laughs> just dudes rocking. I got my first base list pulled up, and aside from pool holes, you know. Jeff Bagwell era, no one accrued 100 war. The average Hall of Famer, or the, there was three Hall of Famers from the 90s era, from the 90s to this now era. That was Jeff Bagwell, Frank Thomas, and Jim Tomei, who were in the 70s in terms of war. In the 60s through the 90s, you had Stan Musial accrue over 120 war. You had a, another 100 war player in the previous era before him with Jimmy Fo- or with Luke Gehrig. Jimmy Fox almost had 100 war. He had 93. So, but most Hall of Fame first basemen are hanging between 60 and 80. You know, like, I'm bringing this up because, you know, with the Goldschmidt piece I've been laboring through, I mean, Goldie's at like 57. Freddie Freeman's at like 48. Todd Helton's over 60. Joey Votto's at about 65. You know, Miggy's at 68, but Miggy's got counting stats. And, you know, like he's Miggy's already done enough for his legacy. You know, um, you know it's good to work in. You know where someone stands amongst the stars, obviously. But I think it's just important. You know, like your base, 
your base normal ass Hall of Famer, what he accomplished, you know, um, you should set the metric for that uh, instead of, you know, hey, we can't let Paul Goldschmidt in because he doesn't quite stack up as well to, compared to Jimmy Fox or Lou Gehrig. And, uh, you know, I don't think that's dumbing down or, uh, you know, or uh, um, delegitimizing the Hall of Fame. And, you know, the same could be said of Jim Edmonds' place amongst uh, center fielders. Exactly. I mean, well, and you also, I think, should factor in, like, hey, were these guys the face of a franchise for, like, ten years? And were they the, you know, were they worshipped by their fan base when they right. were there? Mm-hmm. I mean, you could make that argument for Roland, Albert, Edmonds. You could probably do it for Goldschmidt. Arenado, if he, you know, opts in and sticks around for, you know, a few more yep. years. Like, yeah, Here. That's a big thing. I mean, with... With the, with the Jimmy thing here, you know, there are 19 Hall of Famers at the center field position. The average war is 71.6. But there are only six players over that metric. That means there's 13 players below the 71.6 war. You know, so if we scroll down, if, or sorry, if I scroll down to where Jimmy is, he's got Billy Hamilton, not that one, Richie Ashburn, Andre Dawson, Duke Snyder, DiMaggio, Griffey, Mantle, Speaker, Cobb, and Mays ahead of him. Like, Jimmy's right in the middle of what constitutes a Hall of Fame center fielder. You know, he is, what, um, 10th, 11th? So, I don't know. I, yeah, it, uh, I, I don't know why that bugged me so much. I'm happy we had smart conversation on this pod for once. Um, I mean, Yeah, we, we got 16 about, minutes left. We should was, talk about some pussy or something. Yeah, we should or, talk about puss. Talk about pussy or our favorite slur. Oh, well, we can uh, harp on what I thought was happening last night when you came back to Root Dog. I just thought you were bringing me a woman. Yeah. You showed up <laughs> with two chicks. And you were heavily interested in one of the chicks. And I'm like, okay, what's uh, what's what's going on here? Um, oh, Christ. Which, of oh, course. Man, I was trying to smash. <laughs> yeah. You were, uh, you know, causing... Causing spinal damage to one of your friends. I was. You were tying your tie. Also, your tie was comically short last night. Like it went down about like three quarters of the length to your gut. Like yeah, it, it was looked like a clip-on tie from when you were a child when you were wearing uh, it. It changed so, so much cool because uh, one of the chick I was uh, macking on real bad. She's like, "Can I see your tie?" So she kept taking my tie off quite a lot and he's like oh show me how to tie a tie i'm like can we can we fucking like can we do that so but so i just tied it i'm like i'm gonna take this shit off and make it into a bandana when fucking alan goes up and goes on a wicked guitar solo so but yeah i think i called you tommy wiseau whenever he gets drunk like oh ha, ha. oh my Oh Lisa. oh, Lisa. Oh, my, my. Oh, hell yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm rooting for the Yankees. But, uh, yeah. So. Goddamn. <laughs> Fucking Tommy Wiseau. That's, like, the best scene because she, he has a cup of uh, vodka poured, and then she pours a bunch of scotch on top and makes scotchka. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, let me, let me drink. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> it's like, scotchka? <laughs> uh, 
me and Nick Bradshaw uh, laughed heavily about that. That's that's such a brilliant film. Uh, it's so it's not yeah. correctly <laughs> assessed. Um, <laughs> do you guys see the Mariners shit their pants? My uh, our other favorite team, or because we're part part. They did twelve run lead. At eleven, up. they were winning eleven to two, and then uh, they gave up twelve for that. Uh, they gave up not twelve, sorry. They gave up ten runs to the fucking Royals. <laughs> so they lost thirteen to twelve. So, which brings up That's ten baseball. run games, dude. I uh, I I wrote about this today, but uh, Bill Wakefield, because we're talking about like what we want to do when the season ends. I want to do like little series where it isn't always just us getting on here, just shooting the breeze, talking about pussy. Um, but like, so, you know, just something that popped up. I was looking at the 1964 season um, and we beat the Mets in 15 to seven in a game. So I pull it up and we dropped an 11 spot on them when we were down six to four. And we did this in the eighth inning off a guy named Bill Wakefield. And Bill Wakefield's stats that season were okay. He was the Mets' best pitcher if you change the metric to at least 100 innings pitched that season. And he was on a 109-loss team. He was initially picked up by the Cardinals. We gave him $35,000 to go go be in our minor league system, and he wasn't that good. So we sent him to the Mets. We traded him uh, for a pitcher, Roger Craig, who had lost 46 games in the last two seasons. And we pick and we sent this poor fuck over to to New York, and he comes in. He comes in in an eight eight. He pitched the seventh inning and got through a through a one through three, clean inning, and in the eighth it went like he gave up a single, a walk, and then there was five errors in the in the inning alone. There was five fucking errors, and the Cardinals at one point went back to back to back home runs. It was the first time they did it in like twenty something years. So. You know, a, a milestone for the 60s. And this poor shit gets pulled from the game, finishes out a season, and the Mets kick him to the minors, and he leaves. He just he goes and plays semi-pro, and then I find, like, newspaper clippings of him playing in, like, men's softball divisions. <laughs> and, like, he... Co- co- he went, like, full-on fucking Khalil Dude, Green. no, he really did fall off. He was, And he coached, like, 15-year-old, like, baseball. I was like, this is, like... This is bizarre. I, I pulled up his page. He had a what a three six one ERA for the season. Like that's not terrible. I don't know why yeah. they just. I I couldn't find an article why they sent him down. He was like a and he was a highly touted, like well I wouldn't say prospect because they weren't doing drafts then. But he was like you know our GM uh, Joey Devine at the time was like oh this guy was on everyone's list we fucking want him. You know, here's 35, and then we're going to trade him. Um, but, like, it, it it's just weird. Uh, he just disappeared after that. Um, the thing I noticed was that there – how often do you think a 10-run inning happens in a season, would you imagine? Like, collectively? All, yeah, every – you know, for the whole se- – for a season as a whole, how often do you think that may happen? I'd give it like a point five. Like every other season, it probably right? happens. Like it's a major deal. Like I, I feel like that's. I'd say it happens like five times. I would say it probably around that too. I mean, we had it happen today. I think 
fuck, didn't we hang a 10 spot on someone earlier in the season? It happens, though. It's rare, but it's not like, uh, you know, it's it's rare in the sense of, uh, like, e- e- the the occurrence that you have, a f- that you remember five of your friends' birthdays. So, in 1964, it occurred twice. The first time uh, the Cubs did it to... Um, Christ, I forgot. The Cubs did it to the Houston Colt 45s. They scored 10 runs in the first, and then one run after that was 11-3 game. And the second time it happened was with the Mets and the Cardinals. Like, And the Mets were winning that game. They were winning that game going into latter innings, and they just shit their pants and hang and just hang an 11 spot up. Just merciless. Merciless, my dudes. And it was kind of weird because, like, there was, like, I think 20 teams in the league at that point. And so I took – I looked at every 10-run game that happened, and there was, like, 160-something instances where a team scored 10 runs. And the Mets were pretty – for a team that won 53 fucking games, they were relatively, like, middle of the road in terms of blowing the doors off people. They were, like, right in the middle. They blew up – they scored 10 runs eight times. They also had the, like – delivered the biggest beatdown. They beat the Cubs 19-1, to like, early in the season. So, it's just like a, it's just a, like, weird little rabbit hole just to kind of dive down, just to see, like, you know, you know, this poor fucker, Bill Wakefield, having historically bad luck, like, on it, you know, being, being, this thing happened to him the second time for that whole season. He was the second and last time for the 100, for the 1964 season. And, like, there was – I looked up pitchers who gave up 10 or more runs that year, and there was four pitchers that did it. Two of them were starters. One of them was winning to start before he shit his pants. And the other one was a reliever brought in the mop-up work, and he gave it up in, like, five innings. But Wakefield gave up his 10 runs in less than two innings. He was disastrously efficient when it came to just – Shit. And not all of it was his fault. His team made like five fucking errors. One of the errors was a fielder's choice with the bases loaded. It said fielder's choice third, so I'm like steps on third. And then it says air air catch second. So a guy threw the ball to a second baseman and he's like, fuck that. It just dropped it. <laughs> and then the then the flood floodgates open. So now like I don't know. We're going to run out of things to talk about. We're going to be a football podcast, I guess is what I'm saying. So, we're just how about how how about them oh. Chiefs? <laughs> Patrick Mahomes did something amazing today. Yeah, you fat fat, fat Dick Mahomes everybody. He he did something amazing on State Farm today. He got my insurance rate lower. <laughs> but so. but going back to Bill Wakefield, like Yes, he had some bad innings. Overall, the season wasn't that bad. I imagine he was just a really annoying person to have in the clubhouse. <laughs> no, yeah, he was. Uh, no, this is why. This is what would make him annoying for that time. He was very pro civil rights. Is what it was. <laughs> he was a fucking. <laughs> the equivalent of an annoying liberal. For. <laughs> Hey guys, how's it going? Shut up, Wake Wolf. You're just trying to get drunk and get snatched after the game. Shut the fuck up. You want to give women rights? What the fuck are you talking about? What do you mean Sammy Sammy Davis should be treated equally like the rest of the Rat Pack? Get the fuck out of here, Billy. 
<laughs> I want to blow smoke in my wife's face. <laughs> That's what. <laughs> hey guys, how's it going? Have you heard about this Martin Luther King guy? He's pretty. He's pretty cool. Ah, oh, Billy, Jesus Christ, coming up talking about this King fella instead of talking about how we could discipline Vietnam better. <laughs> I say we send King and his kind over to Vietnam, along with that Muhammad Ali guy. Muslim, I don't know what he is. That's why, yeah, that was Bill Wakefield's, like, shortcoming, is that he was way, he was way, he was a man way ahead of his time in the league, and by way ahead of his time, he just thought people should have basic human rights. (laughs) He needs to be, he needs to be in the goddamn Hall of Fame. Kurt Flood should be in the Hall of Fame for what he did to, uh, to transcend the game and, and, and what he did for labor rights. And Bill Wakefield should be in it because he's probably the only player in Casey who he's probably the only person Casey Stingle ever heard uh, say, hey, stop saying the N-word so loud. It's like that's the only time. He's the only guy to say Casey. Casey, Elson, Elson Howard is an MVP candidate or is, is your MVP catcher in New York. Please Please refer to him by his first name, Elston, and not by boy. Please don't. Please, Casey, stop doing that. <laughs> that was Bill Wakefield's greatest greatest contribution to the game, but also his greatest shortcomings. <laughs> couldn't keep his mouth shut. <laughs> couldn't keep his, he couldn't just sit down and stay at the front of the bus. That's what it was. Billy Wakefield. Stirring shit. <laughs> so, he could have just been regular and white. Who knows? I was just thinking that. I thought he was like maybe a card shark. Like he just kept fucking like killing people at poker in like the clubhouse. I was very yeah. tame. Like my idea. Yours yeah, but no. Down the civil rights. Well, right I mean, like you know, who would be the more most annoying person in the in the sixties? You know, or in the fifties and sixties that time frame? It'd be. It'd be someone saying, "Hey guys, can uh, can we? I'm trying to eat my bur- I'm trying to eat my burger here. I'm not bothered that there's black people eating burgers in this restaurant with me. <laughs> You're not repulsed by that? No, n- no, man, not at all. <laughs> That's Bill. Also, I'm looking at this. That reminds me. I'll go ahead, Josh. Sorry, just you know, in like the movie Forty Two, when it's like every time they play the Cardinals, there's just that one guy who's always just yelling at Jackie, just "Hey, boy, oh, that's that music you listen to, boy." Oh, yeah, you know, that's the, that's what I hated about that movie was like, man, maybe we are the most racist organization. Uh, We're up there. Yeah, I I remember that scene. He's like, "Let's speak Swahili to him." Sopranos level. <laughs> Cardinals. What were you gonna say, Ryan? Uh, I, I I was looking at the lineup for this team, the the Mets with Bill Wakefield, <laughs> and there's another Frank Thomas on this. So there's yeah. I just thought that was like Frank Thomas has played for a long time. Yeah. No, this Frank. Yeah, he also was Frank Thomas has changed his race. If you were to check. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. I feel like we didn't refer to him as... <laughs> the, 
Yeah. Anytime somebody, like, I know what Frank Thomas they'll be talking about, but I'm like, which which Frank Thomas are you talking about? Are you talking about <laughs> the three-time All-Star, uh, played for 12 different teams, Frank Thomas? that Frank Thomas? Or... A frequent guest on the Colgate Hour. Um, are you guys familiar with the Colgate Hour? <laughs> <laughs> me in front of Howie. Frank Thomas, you know, you know him as the Big Hurt. I know him as uh, the Big Scat because uh, you know he 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 talk all that kinds of shit. And uh, this one time, he wanted some gazpacho soup. I burnt his lip. I burnt his lip. I burnt his lips by giving him room temperature gazpacho soup because it overheated <laughs> itself. <laughs> yeah, I love uh, I love baseball. Baseball's um. fun. So the guy we uh, traded with Wakefield uh, uh, was George Altman. So that that's <laughs> Wakefield was a throw-in for the trade. We traded George Altman, who hit like 20 home runs with the Cubs, and he played a season with us. So we sent him for Roger Craig, and they were like, "Here, take this, take this pitcher uh, as well." That we uh, gave thirty-five thousand dollars to. So, him and his brother were poor, uh, pretty good musicians, I think. The uh, Altman <laughs> brothers, isn't that what they're? No, I think you're called? referring to the director of Gosford Park and uh, and Mash the movie. Ro- uh, I think it's Roger, Ro- Robert, Robert Altman. I think that's George Altman's brother. Oh, 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 oh! I know what I'm, I'm thinking of the Almond brothers. The All Man brothers. Of. Yes, it's uh, it, it was a gay group. It's just the All Man brother. <laughs> correct, correct. Lord, I was swallowing, swallowing a, a gambling man. That song, you know what I'm talking about. With uh, starring Randolph. Randolph Rainbow. Rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's Randy Rainbow's grandfather. I thought about after, um, God, this is, I, what, I'm, what I'm mentioning here is going to be something that follows us for as long as we do this pod. But I thought about reaching out to, um, uh, a baseball podcast that's pretty left leaning, that shares definitely our uh, views on uh, you know like the minor league, uh, and it's been like a really great resource for to me to listen to for it. Uh, but like when I was typing up the email, I'm like, hey, would you like to come on our podcast? And I thought I'm like, how would I excel the podcast? And if they listen to it, like how do I defend? <laughs> like just you know just so you know we're allies. It's just uh, we're come town sports, and then I'm like, you know, that might be pretty. That in itself might be pretty divisive for a lot of people. <laughs> we're the Adam Friedland show sports. Yeah. That's what we are. Yeah, we're we like need to go center left, y'all. We're center. We're center left now. We, we need to be a center. Le- we need to transform transform into a <laughs> center left podcast. Or we can go red scare and just go full right. You know, get that money and yeah. get that Catholic right money. Well, we're. Yeah, we were doing Tradcath. I, th- I thought that's where we were going. We've uh, changed our spots. Yeah. We've changed our shit. <laughs> this shit leopard has changed his shit spots numerous times. What What was the I first thought- bit I did on that? I was like, we are a tra- traditional Catholic Carlos Francoist podcast or whatever. So basically just saying, you know, or like mid-20th century fascists, Spanish fascists. And then we went, what, commu- anarcho-syndicalists or some shit for uh, when we learned that we had metrics in France. <laughs> so, 
Tradcath, whatever. We'll do. We'll be whatever you people want if you give us money. That's all. Yeah. We should just have a different Patreon. So, like, on one, we're really. Go woke, go broke. It's a choose your own adventure. You can, you can log in. You can pay that. <laughs> and then you can like subscribe and sign and like in this one we're really racist but against oh Asian god people. in this one we're really racist but it's against Indian uh, people. no god we'll think? know if it's the uh we'll know if we have a large cardinal fan following because the uh the racist one will outweigh the other one <laughs> so. yeah man them boys just tell it like bo- it is <laughs> uh, you know you know yeah, they. I tell you what, Ryan and Tom should have known better than to say Fowler at a baseball game. <laughs> that usher, that usher was in the right to threaten to whoop their ass. <laughs> I know Tom's making fun of me, but I'll just pretend he's not. But I really like it when he does my voice and says ironically racist shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just mute the last five seconds when he says, "I'm just joking." I'm just joking. I'm just I'm joking. Just I'm just smoking. smoking. I'm just token. <laughs> I'm just sucking. I'm just sucking. <laughs> oh, Christ. I love how your uh, St. Louis racist is just like one degree less of Mike Shannon. Like, it's just. It's <laughs> like so you turn down the Mike Shannon meter down just a little bit. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of what I could say that is Mike Shannon that wouldn't be too heavy handed because uh, the the banger we had was uh, was Kanan Smith uh, was in Najaba or whatever and like yeah well what we'll do is we'll set up a yeah we'll set up a Patreon um, and if we make like a bunch of money on it I'll disclose the banger joke that uh, had us all laughing our asses off about it. It was actually it was what Nick bleeped it if I remember, or he, he it was back when we did cuts, so which I think he dropped either dropped it. I, mean, I that was very early on. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, Nick cut it. Nick did a lot of cuts back then. Um, now we're I've just uncensored, had, unfiltered. I've only had to do one cut. What was it? Did what cut was it? You had to make a cut for me. I yeah, think, you did. Which was. Uh, <laughs> you said something. Um, oh, it, it, well, I, I mean, I, I remember what it is, but are you going to cut it this time? <laughs> well, you know what? Just try it. It was a play off of uh, what Anna Illinois stands for. I said, ain't no. But I obviously said something different instead of. I the cut third, that. That's third letter. I cut that. I thought. Yeah, I thought you, you were I th- or maybe Nick No, cut Nick that. probably cut that. I think we were riffing on No, yeah, I Nick think we were riffing on something and you made a joke, but at this point we had taken the riff too far and we had stopped laughing when when you made the riff, when you made the joke and it just sound it just sounded really bad and I think that's <laughs> It just it sounded, sounded uniquely. <laughs> I remember it just being uniquely evil. Yeah, <laughs> like it broke. <laughs> it shattered the veneer of irony at that moment. And I was like, "Oh boy, this could be, this could be clipped." So, I tried to download a a, 
Does that uh, ever happen to you? I try to download a bleep sound for us to work in, just to, just to use it for comedic effect. But it, I, I have to yeah. mess with it a little bit. It won't pop over onto Audacity. But, yeah, I've only had to make one cut. I made a cut. I had to cut things up. Yeah, I only had to make one cut for content. The only other times I made cuts was like, you know, like my shitty audacity stopped recording when Ryan was talking, but it luckily I didn't have to say anything, so I'll have to like cut some stuff there. But yeah, I've only had to I've only had to hit the big red executive button once so far. <laughs> Like, well, the time honestly, you said my home address out loud. Oh, I cut a, that. I did cut that. I did cut that. Yeah. yeah. I did remove that. Um, yeah. Uh, it. I think it just, yeah, I mean, you know, we love him and all that. I think just Nick, uh, he just brings out the worst in us. I think that's what we're getting at. I think that's what the last 2, 3, 10, 15, 40 episodes have been getting at. Is Because uh, I... And I know you would do this because you're you're a fucking imp, Josh. But like, whenever I would like pick at him a little bit, you're obviously gonna like, oh, look at this neat little this neat little brush fire. It'd be a shame if someone just poured a whole gallon of gasoline on it, and then <laughs> and then led that gasoline to a, a stick of dynamite, or you know, <laughs> like, or the inside of someone's full car, like. And then I would, Nick would just cut us saying mean shit to him. Not even mean shit to him. We would just say, we would say things horrible, horrible just because we knew it would upset him. And there was like a, it it still is funny to me. So when he comes back, we're still going to, it's just still going to do it. But when he would just sigh. (laughs) Shit boy returns. Shit boy returns. The returns of shit boy. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be awesome when he's back. I just like leaving that little. Oh, I just love leaving the trail of breadcrumbs just to like the dark <laughs> realm, you know. It's yeah, great. like <laughs> Nick is mining his own. I it, here's what it is, okay? You're you're the invisible force that guides me, Dee Dee, to Nick, who is in Dexter's <laughs> lab, and all I do is go into Dexter's lab and blow <laughs> shit up. That's all it is. <laughs> and Nick, every time, is like, Dee Dee, get out of my lab. And I'm like, no, Dexter, you're gay. And then just pull a switch, say something vaguely racist. And he's like, DD, I have to cut that now. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, we should uh, give an update on my dad. Oh, yeah, before we. Holy shit. My. My dad went full on Sebastian or Sebastian gorked <laughs> out on some oxies um, after his surgery. He's uh, I've talked to him the last three days on the phone. Today he FaceTimed me, um, and he was falling asleep on every occasion I talked to him. And one was like 5:15 p.m. One was like 2:30. Today was around like <laughs> one o'clock, maybe. Like, I mean. He, you know, it's uh, it's a little concerning. He's gonna go see the doctor tomorrow and see if maybe. And also, the pills aren't doing anything for his pain either. So he's just like getting really fucking high, but in agony. Dude, yeah, so, what a like, horrible that, feeling! That's no you fun. you get so high you want to sleep, but you can't because you're in agonizing pain. Jesus, <laughs> jo- it, Ryan, this is how Josh called me in. He's like, Tom, want to see my dad high? And I'm like, you betcha. 
he was yeah. just miserable. Uh, yeah, because, like, my dad is pretty uh, straight-laced. Like, you know how Tom Segura has that bit where, you know, his dad, you know, I was at a party once in college, and uh, someone whipped out, a, you know, a marijuana cigarette, and I walked away <clears throat> and left. You know, my dad told me that exact story when I was, like, uh, like nine. And you were like, Dad, you're gay. You know, <laughs> m- marijuana's bad. <laughs> I was like, Dad, you stay up late and sleep in separate bedrooms from Mom and watch Will and Grace until, you know, 1 a.m. every night. Are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) I really should have known, but, you know, hey. Uh, He has Um, them on... Go ahead. That was my grandpa. Like, he had never done drugs or anything, but whenever he gets surgery, he'll get, like... Like, the meds kind of give him, like, hallucinatory effects because he's an older man. And he just like thinks he'll be like the horses are painting on the ceiling, and I'll be like, Grandpa, we could just do acid together. You don't have to get surgery just to get high, you know. <laughs> like we could. Ryan takes his grandpa out into the you know the jungles of his home country. Ryan's a 16 year old boy in Colombia, and they uh, do ayahuasca together. They have a they have a good old fat a good old fashioned emotional purge is what they have. <laughs> but yet. Your dad, Jesus. your dad was loaded. Uh, it was killing me. It was very funny. <laughs> yep. Uh, man. So, hopefully, he's able to, you know, get feeling back to normal. He was thinking he was gonna be able to return to work nope. this week. I'm like, you got a total knee replacement, and you're gonna go back to work the next week. I mean, like I, like I know you don't do like a manual labor job, but you're, you're yeah, our, crazy. Yeah, our fucking <laughs> like, parents' generation. I swear to Christ. <laughs> God. Yeah, uh, it's my duty to my the corporation. They need yeah. me. Working is my identity, and it's all I have. It's all I have about me, and what I will leave behind. God, God forbid I play video games or get high once. Ooh, I must carry. What if everyone pen- thinks I'm a slacker? <laughs> I must carry this pent up aggression and take it out on my children. Ugh. It was, uh, yeah, it was fun. It, uh, your dad being just blitzed out of his mind was very funny. We got a, we got a, a good yeah, a good laugh. I was like, well, and he's with a lady that that has like medical edibles. Like she's he's mentioned it before. The lady he's like staying with, he's kind of like helping take care of him right now. And I'm like, why don't you just go like hit up her and you know get like a lot like get some with like a bunch of CBD in it and then just a little twinge of the old THC and yeah that might help it'll help the inflammation because he's like swelling yeah like bro mother earth mother will earth will provide for you sir good shit good shit everybody so who are we fucking yeah. tonight are we killing Nick Should or we okay oh we're gonna kill him when we've seen him that yeah. Being mean to him in the group chat, he's like, "I was gonna date." Uh. Let's like get a GoPro and like cut the brake lines on his Mazda, yeah. um, and then just see yeah, what that's what we'll do. <laughs> Actually, let's just like put a camera in uh, the bathroom that I'm not allowed to shit in, and uh, every time he goes in there, I want to see how often. Uh, I want to see if the toilet paper is ever touched. I really want to confirm that. <laughs> really, want to con- really want to confirm that rumor. I, 
He just he just makes. You, you should really just replace his commode with a tiny joke hole. Toilet. <laughs> I I swear to God. Um, and then that way it's like. I'm it's only for farts. Dude, when I when I go over there next, uh, I'm gonna like put cement and just put a tiny hole in it that he has to aim in, and that's where everything has to go down. I'm just gonna fill his fucking bowl up with cement. Is what I'm gonna do. I don't care if it hurts his family. If it hurts Nick too, that's what matters. So, you know, you can't, you can't, you, you can't break an omelet without drone striking a whole wedding. You know what they say? So, <laughs> I will do that to him. But let's, uh, we don't have to fuck Nick tonight. We can fuck. Um, we didn't make fun of. We didn't. Fuck yeah, the fuck the Dodgers. Uh, really sucks that we're kind of skidded. And you know. This December has sucked, but uh, like entering today, it was our second best month, like winning percentage-wise for a month. So it just kind of sucks that all that awesome momentum we had in August is kind of petering out a bit. But hey, the Devil Magic Fairy came early and uh, gave us our big rush in August, so we don't have to rush so hard in September. But yeah, um, fuck the Dodgers, fuck the Dodgers, fuck Justin Turner, fuck them, fuck them all. Fuck him, fuck him to death with Matt Carpenter's bat and Matt Adams' dick. Fuck that organization.